This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. Hello and good evening, Warriors. I'm your host, Chris, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. Before we begin with today's content, I just want to say thank you guys so very much for all my listeners on the first episode, all the feedback. I appreciate you guys so much, and I'm really excited to get this project up and moving, and I'm even more excited for episodes to come. Today's topic will be boundaries and how narcissists react to boundaries. So I'm going to have a lot of fun with today's podcast because there's just so many different elements to bring into um, this subject of boundaries. So strap in, light some scented candles, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's podcast. So when we think of boundaries... First thing that comes to mind is something to keep unwanted things away from you, such as a fence so you don't have to see your neighbors whenever you go outside to mow your lawn, or blinds to close your window so nobody can see inside your house. Those are physical boundaries. Now, when I speak of boundaries on today's podcast, we're going to break it up into the two segments. We're going to talk about setting boundaries, and when to set those boundaries. And then we're going to talk about how narcissists treat us when it comes to boundaries. So stay tuned for the second part of this podcast after we wrap up this first one. Before we dig too deep into the subject, um, February 7th to February 11th was Children's Mental Health Week. And it's something that needs to be brought to light because I feel a lot of people just don't talk too much about kids having mental health struggles. I know I myself uh, have had to deal with a lot of struggles as a child and including having uh, divorced parents at a very young age. Um, I believe I was eight years old. So we didn't have the resources that we have today. So Make sure you're taking care of your kids. Make sure you're loving those kids and giving them the affirmations and all the things that they do deserve, just as just as you would for yourself. Um, I'm very high on mental health and how you treat others, and I feel like children are obviously the future of of the world. Of you know, just in general, they're they're our future, and they learn by example. So if you show your kid that. It's okay to cry. It's okay to express how you're feeling and not be quiet. I mean, this is a great first step is acknowledging that children have mental health struggles just as much as adults do, just not to the extreme that we feel as adults. So with that being said, let's talk about boundaries. So there are a couple different bullet points for boundaries, and I'll list those. And I will break each one of them down for you. So 
We have emotional boundaries. We have material boundaries. We have time and energy boundaries. Then we have physical and we have mental boundaries. Now, when you listen to each one of those and think, how could I have boundaries for possessions? Or how could I have boundaries for my time and energy? Most people don't know how to put up boundaries or just don't know when to say when. And I think it's very important to note that boundaries are the most important thing when it comes to relationships, when it comes to dealing with friends, when it comes to uh, family members taking advantage of you. I mean, I, I could probably make an hour podcast just on why boundaries are so important for growth. But of course, I don't want to spend an hour talking on one subject. I want to give my personal perspective on each one and then also hopefully be able to help out others in the process of this podcast. So let's start with emotional. So emotional boundaries basically touches along the lines of inappropriate to uh, topics. So basically triggers. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of what triggers are, it's basically it's trauma-based, I feel like. I feel like if you listen to a song that reminds you of a loved one or you watch a TV show that you last watched with a toxic individual in your life and that person constantly is reminded by a song or how you were treated on a certain holiday or something along those lines, triggers are very, very, very important to to recognize because if you don't, set those boundaries for your emotional triggers. Healing is, is going to be a very big, very big struggle. So there's emotional dumping and, you know, you could basically start off by saying, you know, this isn't a subject that I'm willing to discuss. That would be the best way to deescalate um, experiencing emotional uh struggles with with anybody like you know if if it comes to I'm trying to think of the best way to wear this if it comes to like talking about uh you know losing a loved one or somebody making an inappropriate joke uh about uh you know a loss in your life or just something that you're going through and you just don't feel comfortable talking about it it's up to you to establish those boundaries. So if you put, if you draw that boundary with that person, hopefully that person will respect that boundary and not cross it or just be more wary of how they word things. Because while we can set up those boundaries, us as individuals also need to respect others' boundaries, others' boundaries as well. So Emotional boundaries are super, super important for growth. And I feel like if you're self-aware of lines that are drawn or lines that you draw for yourself, you know, it's always important to practice self-love and boundaries are a big part of our self-love. So then we move on to materialistic boundaries. Now, when I say that out loud, I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of a material boundary. So 
a material boundary, you know, obviously it could be your possessions such as cars, TVs, you know, whatever it is that you may own that you have value in. And, you know, you could basically be like, you know, my car can't be used on the weekends or, you know, somebody who constantly relies on you for a ride to the bank or a ride to work or they're just constantly using your things and you feel like you never have time to do those things because you either wrapped up in having uh, having to deal with the kid responsibilities or, you know, just of course we all get caught up in our own little world sometimes. So it's hard to set those boundaries with people. But I know so many people who let others just take advantage of them over their personal belongings. And it's just, you got to know when to tell that person like, Hey, like you've had all this time with uh, say watching my TV or you have a friend staying over till they get back on their feet and they're using up all your stuff, your shampoo, whatever, you know, you can just say things are off limits or you can be like, listen, like I don't feel comfortable doing this anymore I hope you find something else or, you know, you don't have to cut off a friendship because somebody's neglecting uh, your friendship or using you for things that you have. You know, you can draw those boundaries with people and be like, listen, like you're not going to be using my computer anymore. You're not going to be using my car because you crashed it last time. It's up to you to tell that person that they can't do something because the more you let somebody get away with, uh, Say somebody's using your car constantly and you've had to replace three tires already and then they keep going through tires or they've gotten into their third accident with your car and you say, oh, it's okay. I'll just get it fixed. That person's never going to learn. That person's never going to know and be like, huh, maybe I should respect this person's property instead of, oh, well, he said it's okay. So I'm just going to use his stuff anyway. So material boundary is super important for I feel like your mental sake you know I I just feel like if if you have value in things that you own because I do know people that are like that with some of their possessions um I've had people break my stuff and them not showing any remorse and again it goes back to me not establishing that boundary like listen I don't want you touching my stuff because you always break it or They take apart something of yours and don't put it back together the right way. Or they put it together and something's broken off of it because they were toying around with it. I've had that happen to me too. So whatever possessions you have that you highly value, of course, put those boundaries up with people like, listen, this has a lot of meaning to me. I'd rather you not touch it or, you know, you can look at it or whatever, but don't touch it. So next we move on to the time and energy boundary. Now that could obviously go along so many different lines when it comes to time and energy. Um, You know, it's basically the time and energy, uh, energy boundary is time, when to contact, you know, favors or doing stuff for free for other people. Um, For example, if you're, throwing a party and you invite people and you're going to be late for something, you know, you obviously let them know that you're going to be late. And I've had so many people 
just no show to put events that I've hosted and not say a word or respond to text messages. And then you just get to a point where you're fed up inviting people out because they don't respect you enough to let you know, like, Hey, I can't make it out or Hey, I'm going to be late or whatever. And you know, that's really big on energy too. If you're putting out that energy to people that, that aren't giving it to, to you back. I just personally feel like it's healthier to just stay to yourself and invite them. You know, obviously the invites there, but don't put too much into a one-sided relationship. I've had so many friendships where I was the one reaching out. I was the one, Hey, I hope you're doing okay things like that. Don't waste your time and energy on people that aren't willing to give it to you back because I know it's a super hard boundary to draw with people because you want to be the one that shows that you care about the friendship. You want to be the one that that shows that you care, that you're the caring one of the two of you or however many it is. And that goes for family too. You know, if you invite your parents over and they never come to your house, but you always go to their house. I feel as an adult that, you know, if you don't have any ties to your parents um, and you don't rely on your parents for anything, I, I feel, I feel it's important to draw those same boundaries with family because it's really hard for a lot of people to, to forget that, your friends can be your family too. Just because they're blood doesn't exactly mean that, you know, you have to treat them like they're gods or like they can do no wrong. Cause at the end of the day, guys, we're all human. You know, we all try to show that we care about each other and we all put time and energy into things that don't give it back. And when we are finally able to establish these boundaries with those things, it's it does a lot more it, it benefits a, us a lot more than it does affect us so yeah time and energy boundaries guys super important for your well-being I, I just feel like if you're not sitting there constantly messaging somebody hoping that they reply and then never get a reply or you're left on red it's just it's going to be so much better for your mental well-being and it'll help you in the long run with future relationships with people like if you have no expectations and people you won't be disappointed you know and that may come off wrong saying it out loud but i feel like if you set no expectations for people to respond to you or for people just to give you the time of day like you do for them that ultimately I feel like you're protecting your peace. You're doing what's best for you. Now we move on to the physical and the mental part of boundaries. So obviously mental boundaries would be, you know, freedom to have your own thoughts, uh, beliefs, and opinions. And a good way to um, draw up those mental boundaries. It's like, listen, like I respect that you disagree with my opinion, but don't force your own on me. This one, I can't even stress to you guys enough um, to draw that boundary with people because there's a lot of cruel people 
out there. Um, people we've known for 10, 11 years that just can't handle that other people have opinions that they do not share. And when you stop being a doormat for that person, when you stop being that punching bag for other people, all of a sudden you're the bad guy in their story. You're always going to be the bad guy in somebody's story. Unfortunately, we're never going to be the right person in everybody's story, you know, and you know who you are as a person, you know, what was said and done. And I know a lot of us are guilty of not respecting other people's opinions either, but obviously we all need to do better as human beings, you know, and it's, it's super hard to, I don't want to say be perfect because there's no such thing as perfect. It's super hard to be a good person all the time because obviously there's a lot of ignorance and hate in people's opinions. And while you can say that you respect somebody's opinion, doesn't mean you have to agree with their opinion. My opinion on this doesn't have to be your opinion on that. And I, I feel like, I feel like the person that, makes the other person look like a bad guy over having a different opinion is always in the wrong because we're all not going to have the same thought process. We're all not going to look at situations the same. And I also feel like that comes on grief and loss too. You know, everybody grieves differently and everybody looks at situations like that completely different from, from anybody else. You know, my, one of my best friends can look at, you know, passing, passing away friend completely different from how I look at it. And that's just the way that things are. I don't respect him. I don't respect him any less because he has a different view of it. You know, we're, we're friends and I respect what he says and he respects what I say. You know, it doesn't mean I'm always right. doesn't mean he's always right. But we need to draw that boundary of establishing that everybody has a right to their own opinion, right or wrong. We don't have to have an argument. We don't have to immediately jump to blocking somebody just because you don't agree with that person's opinion. You know, you can say that, oh, that person's mentality is black and gray and yours is all sunshine and rainbows, just because they have a different way of looking at it, you need to understand that maybe something in their life happened to where they can't look at the situation the same as you. And a lot of people have that problem. A lot of people just can't seem to realize that other people could have possibly gone through something that brought them to that mentality. You know, whatever hatred they have for somebody might be completely different from how you feel about that person, but that doesn't mean that their opinion should influence you on how you feel on it and vice versa. So mental boundaries for me, I think is always a top priority up there with, with emotional because a lot of people just don't seem to respect people's boundaries when it comes to opinions. Now, this next one I thought was very interesting because I didn't know it was a thing. Well, I, I did, you know, because it, it kind of goes along 
the lines of consent, but I didn't realize in psychology it was a quote-unquote boundary. So the physical boundary can mean a number of things. Um, proximity, which is, you know, being too close to somebody or, you know, somebody giving you too many hugs or them putting your their arm around you too much or PDA. I've actually heard uh, a lot of people don't aren't into like public display of affection and it's not for everybody. You know, I I'm not going to sit here and say that somebody is wrong for not liking PDA. It's it's, you know, maybe they just like expressing themselves uh, with their partner uh, in private. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and then the most important part of this boundary is comments regarding somebody's appearance or sexuality, which is bullying. Uh, and at the end of the day, physical boundaries go hand in hand with, with bullying. Bullying can happen, uh, obviously, from people online. It can happen from people on on you know, face to face. Uh, it can even happen from friends. I've had people bully me my entire life because, you know, I'm a bigger guy, you know, whatever. And I've had people commented on my entire life. And it's, let me tell you guys, bullying is, it's not okay. You know, there, there's a lot of people deal with joking around a lot differently than others. And it's been a struggle of mine my entire life. And it's been something that I've been trying to improve, you know, whether it's trying to eat healthier or whatever it may be. And a lot of people just seem to think that bullying helps people grow. And while that may have been our parents ideal of, you know, growing up strong, oh, well, this person needed to be bullied to become the person that they are. And a lot of people don't realize the impact that bullying has on people. It could be light bullying. It could be harsh bullying. It doesn't matter. Bullying is not okay, no matter what it is. Like, you know, somebody's hair color or somebody's size or somebody's crooked teeth or whatever it is, guys. Bullying is is just, it's not okay. And one of the best ways to dismiss um, comments like this, it's like, you know, I don't find comments like that very funny. And while it may come off, uh, as so simple and just like, oh, well I could say that, but it's not going to change. If you establish boundaries with people and where to, where to, cr where that line lays for you, you don't necessarily have to put up with bullying. You know, you can, you're the one that's in charge of you. You are responsible for making sure that people don't go past those boundaries and you can establish that you don't want to talk to that person or you don't want to be friends with that person, you know, whatever it is you think would be best for you. But bullying is just something that impacts the entire world in one sense or another. It doesn't matter if it's over politics, it doesn't matter if it's over sexuality, appearance, bullying happens everywhere and to so many people. So for those of you listening um, who have experienced bullying, my heart is 100% with you because bullying is something I feel like as a society, we're starting to get a little bit better, but it's still such a problem because it's 
it's going all the way to elementary school to college. You know, it, it's just I've had teachers uh, bully me. I, I've I've had so many people, so many people with harsh comments. And guys, I just want to say that being together, we can make a difference. We can change the world. We just have to have a voice. We have to speak up and we have to stand hand in hand together and let so many others know that they don't have to fight alone. Because mental health to me is something that I have been very passionate about my entire life. And day as each day goes by, I feel the message needs to grow louder. And with the mental health group I was able to create and and run with some of my really good friends, you know, we've had an audience of almost 1,300 people that listen, that give their insight, that share their stories. And I just, if I can be that beacon for others, if I can somehow start this movement and it grow immensely with this podcast or with the Facebook group, uh, I just... Anything that I can do to make a difference, I will do. So that's going to be it for part one of our Boundaries podcast. Coming up is part two with the narcissist and how they respond to Boundaries. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll talk to you on part two. Hello and welcome to part two of our Boundaries episode for the Mental Health Movement podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. We spoke about boundaries and when to set them and the different types of boundaries to set. And of course, I'm your host, Chris. We're going to be talking about the boundaries and how narcissists respond to those boundaries. And I think this is going to be a pretty interesting part of the podcast considering Everybody knows a narcissist in their life, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, anybody really. And a narcissist are just the worst kind of person because they can make you feel like utter crap. And of course, they have their ways of twisting and turning your words and making you feel like garbage. So we're going to be talking about the different types of ways that narcissists can respond to those boundaries. And I just want to shout out to my good friend Fawcett who gave me the inspiration for this piece of the episode. And I cannot wait to go down the list and the different types of ways that narcissists can reply to each one of the boundaries that we can set for each one of them. So just as a refresher, we had the emotional, material, time and energy, and then of course the physical and mental boundaries that we can set to take care of ourselves, to basically ensure that we grow as individuals. So let's talk about how narcissists can respond because Lord knows they do a good job at making us feel like we're nothing. So the different types of ways that a narcissist can respond are gaslighting. And everybody I know is very familiar with gaslighting. Love bombing, which is actually a term that I discovered last year before a therapy session. So that's a really good one. Of course, the guilt trip, which is 
pretty self-explanatory what that is, but we'll get into that. And then, of course, negging, which uh, I guess is a word I didn't necessarily know was was used in a psychology um, format, but it's a good one nonetheless. And then, of course, emotional blackmail. And then one of my absolute favorites is toxic victimhood. And that's actually a term that I discovered fairly recently. And it's something that ties in pretty well with today's podcast. So let's start with gaslighting. Everybody's probably favorite term that I see all over social media. Um, I feel like a lot of people throw around that word. I feel like I've seen narcissists try to throw around gaslighting. Uh, just because they want to remain in control. They want people to to feel for them, to side with them, basically. Um, I've had people gaslight me <laughs> as far back as I can remember. And more specifically, it was a family member who, you know, made me question things that I know happened in my life, but, you know, they wanted me to see through their eyes and not my own. They wanted to keep the the blindfolds on basically and just keep me under their thumb. So gaslighting, for those of you who are new to this term, it's basically making a victim feel like um, they should question their own reality or their own sanity. Now, gaslighting, I feel with boundaries is, you know, say you say you set a boundary for Let's just go for one of one on the list. Let's go for material. Say you have a roommate who has no way to get to work and you tell them like, listen, like you need to start looking for your own car. My car is worn down and I just can't have you use it anymore. Basically, they will try and gaslight you and saying, you know, if it wasn't for me, you you wouldn't have this car if it wasn't for me, you know, you wouldn't be able to pay your bills and basically make you question, oh, well, maybe maybe he's right or she's right and I just am overreacting or, you know, whatever. That is gaslighting. That is probably one of the most common narcissist traits is trying to make somebody question whether or not their feelings are valid. And guys, I can't stress this enough. If you're ever listening to somebody or trying to hear somebody out, you know, always try to validate that person's feelings or try to reassure them like you're not overreacting or whatever the situation is. Because I know at the end of the day, when it comes to mental health struggles, a lot of us don't feel validated in our feelings and just don't feel comfortable sharing because you feel like people will make you feel like that never happened or, you know, whatever the case is. So the next one is that nifty new term love bombing. Um, I never knew this was ever a thing. So without being specific, I had a family member who would constantly say they loved me constantly, you know, try to try to give me a big head and, and everything and it was just basically for them to stay in control of my emotions um emotional boundary great example um and it's basically like overwhelming somebody with affection or adoration you know give gifts constantly or 
whatever it is. And that's to gain control. That's to constantly let somebody know that, oh, well, somebody loves you or I love you. Nobody else does like me or whatever it is. And it can be very challenging to deal with somebody like that because I've seen relationships where somebody love bombs and still treats their wife like garbage. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see it happen when you know there's a term for it. And again, guys, that that's just something I don't think a lot of people are aware of this term or what it's called. They probably think it's a norm. They probably think, oh, well, he's going to treat me like garbage or she's going to treat me like garbage, but at least they quote unquote love me. And I'll put quotes around love me because I know a lot of people that throw around that word and it's basically just to make sure that that person doesn't leave them or that person doesn't go anywhere and try to protect their own sanity for the sake of their own boundaries. Um, So be on the lookout for love bombing guys, because it is a very real thing and it's more, I feel like it's more common with parents and how they've treated their kids opposed to, relationships but i have seen it in actual relationships um opposed to you know opposed to parental relationships but i definitely feel like it happens very very often and a lot of people are not aware that it happens now the guilt trip basically speaks for itself um again you can use that for any type of boundary you can the time and energy one i feel like uh is something I feel like a a narcissist would be really big on guilt tripping somebody for is, you know, oh, well, you don't give me the time of day when I need it, but I'm always there for you. Or, you know, what about that time I did this for you and I never say no to you kind of thing. And that's guilt tripping, guys. I mean, I I'm sure I've done it once or twice, not intentionally, um, but Guilt tripping is is horrible to do to anybody. And whether that's, you know, not going through with plans with somebody because you just weren't feeling welcome there or you just didn't want to be honest with somebody and they guilt trip you. Um, They guilt trip you, tripping you and make you feel like what you're doing is always wrong and don't ever take into consideration how they make you feel when they do that. I feel like guilt tripping happens to ki- uh, to kids all the time from their parents. Uh, I feel like I've actually seen grown ass adults do that to their younger kids. Oh well, you don't love me, and I- I've seen I've seen mothers do that to their kids. And while it may not be uh, this, this is a really hard one. It may not be serious, but I feel like guilt tripping, regardless of what it is, harms somebody no matter the age. You tell a kid, oh, well, they don't love you because they don't want to or they don't want to watch a movie with you or they don't want to color with you, whatever it is, guys. Guilt tripping at the end of the day is still guilt tripping. You can do it as a parent. You can do it as a spouse. Guilt tripping happens any relationship any age it happens and so many people do it so many people and narcissists are probably the worst at doing it because or not the worst they're the worst person for doing it but 
they're the best at guilt tripping. Guilt tripping is a very high uh, characteristic of a narcissist. So be on the lookout for that, guys, because obviously everybody knows guilt tripping, but I feel like we have slowly molded it into other terms, but guilt tripping is definitely on that list. Emotional blackmail. Now, this is something I feel like happens in a professional environment more than it happens anywhere else. I've seen friends do it, but I feel like this happens uh, with uh, co-workers with their bosses or co-workers with managers who will basically be like, oh, well, I'll tell so-and-so this happened if you don't do this for me. Emotional blackmail. Uh, I'll tell your dad that you snuck out last night if you don't uh, if you don't go and do this. Emotional blackmail is something that a narcissist will do at any cost, any boundary. If you tell them you don't have the energy to do something or uh, you don't necessarily agree with um, their decision or their opinion on something and they'll immediately turn it to a I'll tell so-and-so that you did this or uh, I'll fire you or whatever it is, guys. It's emotional blackmail is something that I feel would be the best um, described as one of the worst things a narcissist or awful person could do to somebody because it, it's, it's their way of putting their thumb over you, making sure you don't step out of line, making sure that you're a good little robot for them. And it's just, it's such a tough, such a tough circumstance. Cause obviously we all need to pay our bills and we all need what we all need to do what we need to do. But at the end of the day, guys, we need to make sure that those boundaries are constantly put up because so many people take advantage of us and not, uh, not enough of us um, care to practice that self care and give us our own space, put ourselves first. Cause I know I have a bad habit of putting everybody before myself until recently. And now that everything has changed in my life, um, you know, I've put myself first. I've established a lot of boundaries with both of my parents and friends too. And I just, there's, my tolerance is very high when it comes to dealing with a lot of people in my life. But at the same time, I know where my triggers lie and I know, I know where to, I know where to draw that line with certain people. Now for the last one on the list, is another new term that I discovered, and that is called toxic victimhood. Now, I wrote down basically like a little paraphrase, but I would like to read this whole definition to you guys because it's something that, again, I didn't know was a term that was used, um, and it's something that is pretty pretty common. I've I've experienced a lot of people like this, so... Toxic victimhood is one of the most dangerous people you can have around you, um, is the perpetual victim. Perpetual victims look at their own issues and mistakes and always find others to blame, from their unreasonable boss 
to their unloving parents and they never take ownership of their own lives. Now, instead of reading the rest of it, let me just break that down because I know so many people that are like this. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking because sometimes you care too much about the world around you and you want to help everybody. But some of those people just don't want that help. Um, they just don't want to do better for themselves. They want to stay in that. I don't want to say woe is me mentality because I feel that's such an unhealthy approach to it. But you know, basically the the world's out to get them and nothing's ever going to get better. You know, uh, my arm hurts. Okay, we'll go to the doctor and get it looked at. Yeah, but my foot hurts. Yeah, but my head hurts. And it's just, it's a rotating door that, very few want to step out of because when you are in that negative mentality, um, I feel like a lot of people, more specifically uh, narcissistic people, um, when they're in that negative mentality, they get attention. And that attention is something a narcissist loves. If you give them the time of day, they'll make sure that they're in control the entire time. So I feel the best way to deal with a toxic victimhood is very, very strong boundaries between that person and yourself because they will, they will dig into the things that you love and they will try to make you feel the same way that they feel about something. You know, whether it could be a movie, it could be a song, it, it could be, you know, one of your friends that you guys happen to know uh, both know and they can start spreading that toxic mentality onto you and it's something that's very real guys you know obviously who we surround ourselves with is is basically your your type of person like you share almost the same traits as that person a lot of us aren't aware that we share the same traits as them until it gets to a bad point you know, of course, it starts with a slow spread and then it blows up and turns out you're either the same type of person they are or worse. And that's what happens when you don't draw those boundaries. So I'll constantly echo how, the importance of of setting those for yourself because it's important for growth. So that's the biggest one on the list next to gaslighting, I feel like, because I don't think everybody deals with the emotional blackmail. Uh, I know a lot of people deal with the gaslighting and love bombing. You know, in terms of importance, I'd probably put gaslighting, toxic victimhood, and love bombing as the three biggest ones on this list to watch out for because uh, a narcissistic person will constantly make sure that they can get around whatever boundary you set by just saying one word or saying one phrase that they know will make you crumble. So again, guys, practice that self-care. Practice telling people no. Stop saying yes all the time because I know I'm a really big person on saying yes all the time. So for every podcast, I will have a quote of the week. So since I did two parts, kind of want to touch on two quotes. Um, the first quote being, 
the difference between mental health and mental illness. Um, this is something that I hold very close to my heart because a lot of people mistaken both of them. And, you know, there's um, people love talking about yoga and self-care, self-care days, but get uncomfortable talking about blackouts and trigger warning here, suicidal thoughts, manic episodes, etc. And that's a problem in today's society. Mental health versus mental illness, and people need to understand the differences between the two because your mental illness is not the same as somebody else's mental health problems. And are not problems. I another thing, I feel like everybody should replace the word problem with struggle because problem just comes off as so negative. And I don't want to say tiptoe on eggshells for everybody, but I feel like if you say struggles instead of problems it comes off a lot more genuine and it, it comes off as you actually care to hear what's going on in that person's life. So for the second quote, if today gets difficult, remember the smell of coffee, the way sunshine, sunlight bounces off a window, the sound of your favorite person's laugh, the feeling when a song you love comes on the color of the sky at dusk and that we are here to take care of each other. So that's the last message I'm going to leave with you guys for the week. Again, thank you guys so much for your support. I look forward to future episodes and sharing my heart with you guys. And as always, your feelings matter. You are more than enough. And please, please be gentle with yourself.